Hello, and welcome to the Collider Podcast. I'm Collider Senior Editor Matt Goldberg, and with me is Managing Editor Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. Today, we've got a bonus episode for you. Last night, Friends The Reunion aired on HBO Max, and we felt that we needed to do a bonus episode because Adam and I are both major Friends fans. Like, we have a (laughs) deep well of Friends knowledge. We've watched the series through countless times. And obviously we both watched the reunion and you can read Adam's write up of the reunion on the site uh, right now, but we wanted to dig in a little bit more because first off, it's an opportunity to talk about friends that we don't really get, but before we dive into the show's legacy, what we wanted to start with was to talk about the reunion itself, the episode itself, which felt like a lot, like it basically felt like for starters, we're, we are all aware of the business consideration here, that essentially Friends, which was on Netflix forever, moved back to HBO, moved, not back to, moved to HBO Max because Warner Brothers is the owner of HBO Max and Friends. And that is an incredibly valuable streaming property. And there's, you know, the cast has never really been reunited, uh, as the special tells us right off the bat, for 17 years. The show ended, they got together one time at Jennifer Aniston's house. All six of them have not been in the same place since. They were each paid a lot of money to come back and do this because it's a not, you know, just because it's a profitable thing for Warner Brothers. Because to me, the subtext of this whole reunion was, hey, don't you love Friends? Wouldn't you like to watch Friends? Uh, Isn't it great to watch Friends? Because if you're watching Friends, you're watching it on HBO Max and that's great for a streaming platform that is now one year old and needs to compete and says, you know, you can't find this on Disney plus you can't find this on Netflix. We're the only ones that have friends, but as a piece of programming, as a, I hesitate to even call it a documentary. Like it's, it's just, it's as this weird televised special, it felt like we're only going to get to do this once. Let's do everything. Let's do everything we can. So it's Q and a, it's uh, a table read. It's a walk down memory lane. It's trivia. It's a clip show. It's testimonials. It's it's a lot of things being like all, all to hammer home the point of don't you love friends? And I'm sort of at a weird point in my friend's fandom right now. So it was a weird thing to watch for me because like I don't love the show as much as I used to, but I don't like, I'm not like Ugh, friends is bad now but I have mixed feelings about it with the show that the, the special did not want me to have the special wanted to be like, you, you fucking <laughs> love friends. You love it. <laughs> Adam, what do you think of the special? I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> uh, you know, I had, I, I didn't, the celebrity stuff I could do without, I, you know, it was silly. And, you didn't um, like Justin Bieber in the Sputnik costume. It felt unnecessary. You didn't uh, like I, Cara Delevingne. <laughs> I should say I've seen the special twice now. Cause I watched it. I got a screener of it and watched it for work to do a write up on like the biggest revelations. Um, and then I watched it again with my wife cause she had not seen it. Uh, and on the second watch, I was looking at the faces of like the friends during like that catwalk and, and whatever. And like, they seem pretty delighted by that. So I was like, maybe this is for them, but I don't know. Like it felt like they needed something extra to like draw people in as if, you know, friends, the reunion wasn't enough. It was like Lady Gaga will be involved in some way. Um, so that stuff, you know, it was fine. Uh, but I thought 
I was really emotional when it started. I thought mm. it opened in really just the most perfect way. And I've watched a, a few of these reunions now. Um, and I really thought it was a brilliant choice to just open that soundstage up one by one, have them walk in and this just film them as they walk around the set and recall. And I, you know, I was, when I was watching it, I was like, I wonder if they edited like some of this together, but like, as I think it's, uh, as Courtney Cox is walking in, you can hear them in the kitchen having the conversation that they were just having without her in the room. So it's kind of like, it feels like a documentary. It feels like you're watching this play out in real time. And that to me was really emotional, kind of watching them back on the set. It was kind of fun to see them like, uh, you know, recall their memories of making it and, and just seeing their first view of it. Cause I've watched, I watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special, which I liked a lot as well. And that was on their original set. And that took a similar approach um, as it had them kind of walking onto the set. Um, but I, you know, I thought that was when the document, the special was at its best when it felt like a documentary. And it seemed like all of that stuff was filmed on one day where, you know, and that was maybe the first day where they walked on the set together and they saw the set and they spent the day just hanging around on the set talking. Um, because I also thought it was a really smart decision to intercut stuff because as you said, it feels like they did everything and not everyone is going to like everything. So it cuts to, you know, a Q and a with James Corden and you're like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> like, this is going to be the, like, you know, my, my question is more of a comment um, kind of deal. <laughs> uh, but that, even that I thought was pretty well done. And it wasn't, too much of it where you tr like started zoning out because then they would cut back to you know these interviews with the creators who were largely telling stories that like if you are a huge fan of friends you already probably already knew them um but stuff like matt leblanc dislocating his shoulder that was pretty new but it was interesting to see how it was all intercut because it was clear that like they had the recollection of that on the day that they were walking around the set and then the producers pulled up that footage and had them sit down and watch it and then that's something that they could then bring up again at the Q&A portion or something like that. Because I had also read, you know, when it comes to the big revelation that David Schwimmer and Jennifer Anderson had feelings for each other, that was something that they talked about openly on that first day when they visited the set, which was shot on a different day from the James Corden stuff. I think the James Corden stuff was like the next day. And so the director of the special had seen that. And then he, he you know, asked James Corden, he said, ask them about this. But he didn't know if they would want to like talk about it in front of the Q&A portion. And, and thankfully they didn't. I think that's, one of the best moments of the series, but also I think is the, or one of the best moments of the special, but also shows the brilliance of like the way that they put this special together because they were able to connect these really intimate moments with them on set with this Q and A in front of an audience. And then show videos of like David Beckham talking about how much he likes friends for, for whatever reason. Um, but I don't, so I don't know, as you said, it's like, it's this grab bag. It's a lot of different things. It's people talking about how much they like friends. But like I, my personal history with Friends is like, it's it's the first show that I comfort watched. Like I watched it when it was on the air, I bought the DVDs. It's it's weird now. I was thinking about, you know, as it show that footage of the people like saying the famous lines like pivot um, or like shut up. Uh, like you and I lived through that without Twitter. Like those lines were memorable because they were funny on the show. It wasn't like it was a meme that someone was circulating on Twitter. So I like very fondly recall just like buying the DVDs. I would watch the show at night before I went to bed as just like a comfort watch of something that was fun and enjoyable to do. And I would, you know, when I reached the end of the series, I would go back around and start it again. Much the same way that people are watching The Office on, you know, Netflix or Peacock, I guess. Is anyone binging The Office on Peacock now? I just, I ended up buying 
the office and friends for that matter, they were like $30 each on sale yeah. on iTunes. And I'm like, now I own them. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And you can't take them away from me. Exactly. You should see my friends DVDs. Cause they are like all like ripped up the boxes uh-huh. and stuff, but those DVDs are also, they're all extended episodes. So they're not the broadcast episodes. All of them are extended. So now my head cannon is jokes that do not appear whenever I see friends on TV. So it's very strange to see like stuff that, having rewatched it over and over and over since I was like, you know, what, 13, 14, um, like it just is dropped out. But all of this to say, like, I have a very like comfort viewing relationship with friends. I always have. So like, you know, I'm watching this reunion and it's kind of embarrassing to see like David Beckham talk about, you know, his comfort viewing of friends or Mindy Kaling, but also I like, I feel like a hypocrite. Cause I'm like, that's also me. And it's like, admittedly, it's not a show that I have watched recently. I haven't gone, I haven't like rewatched Friends in in quite a few years now. Mm. But it's something that that still is pretty, I have a fondness for it just because it's probably the show I've seen most of any show of all time. It's weird. The special is weird for me because it's like, let me drown you in the waters of nostalgia. You know, just push your head under slowly and you will just- Wasn't that the point of a reunion special though? (laughs) It is. That's the thing. It's meant to be like, don't, and, but you know, and that's the thing. And I also think it's sort of like the limitations of the reunion special, because I think there is a way to engage with friends that isn't just, don't we all love the thing? Because I think there's more to it than that, but not as much as a corporate entity or even the creators would really be willing to engage with. I mean, just as a, a minor point of contention. Friends is a very gay panicky show for as much credit as they want to take with the, you know, Carol and Susan and the lesbian wedding. Anytime a male male homosexual relationship was even glancingly brought up, it was gay panic. It was, this is, this is, I don't want it. This is, this makes me uncomfortable. Ha ha ha. Aren't we all uncomfortable? And David Chase is gay. Yeah. And like one David of the Crane. shows, David not Crane, David Chase. not David, I don't think Chase. David Chase is gay. David, I'm sorry, David Crane. <laughs> David Crane is gay. And, you know, he, and especially he talked about it, you know, his husband and like, he's one of the writers, one of the co-creators. And I would have loved to be like, well, how do you as a gay man reconcile the show's attitudes toward gay men or just intimate feeling between men that's that's the other thing it's not even like there was a the only gay man on the show i believe was steve zahn um you know he turns out not to be gay and he turns out not to be gay exactly so and that's played for laughs yeah um how do you reconcile that how do you approach that like what like when we're looking at the legacy of friends and i'm not saying like you know i mean friends is also we have to keep in mind very much a product of its time it's, it's 90s, early 2000s. So it's not like Friends, you know, was somehow less enlightened than the culture it was part of. It was very much a part of that culture. Um, you know, but also is, strangely progressive at the same time with the, you know, the lesbian wedding is in season one. Yes, strangely progressive and yet also regressive in some ways. Like it was, it's that yeah. push and pull. And look, I'm not saying like, I'm not one of those people who's like, well, it's problematic now, so we should discard it. Like it's actually, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's, if we look back and see something as problematic, it's probably good because that means we have progressed yeah. to no longer see it that like as a culture, we are progressing. So, but, and, and so I'm not saying like friends is bad now. What I'm saying is, is that 
this is something that you guys did. Why did you do it that way? Do you wish you had done it another way? And then there are just other things like there was no mention of the fact that there was a friend spinoff called Joey that lasted <laughs> yes. two seasons. That does not exist anymore. That just doesn't exist. You can't find it anywhere. <laughs> and, and like, what about that? And I think, you know, these little sort of avenues and, and, and look, and, and, and there's always questions of how dark do you want this to get? I think there's something to be said or something to be discussed. Like what about Matthew Perry's, you know, drug addiction during the mm -hmm. show and something he was really wrestling with. I mean, when I watch friends, every time I see it, I see his crazy weight loss and weight gain, like, mm -hmm. because he's wrestling with, with drug addiction and you know, I'm watching this special and he is, I think he was the most quiet of anyone. And I couldn't help but wonder, like, is it hard for him to revisit this because of what it says about that time in his life? And, and I, he's full on admitted there's like three seasons, at least of the show that he doesn't remember. Mm. So it was kind of hard to watch, you know, Matt LeBlanc, like instantly recalling, like, remember that episode where we stayed in our chairs the whole time? And like Matt, Matthew Perry's face is like a little blank. And it's kind of like, it feels like they know and they have to kind of help him remind mm. him of like what happened. Yeah. And like, it's interesting. I mean, and I, I'll say this is like, as a, and again, as a Friends fan, I just feel like, you know, as a reunion special, I have to accept that this is for nostalgia. It's for the fan. It's very much for the fans, not the critics, because there's no critical appraisal here. Really, Like even that one lady in the audience who's like, was there any negative memory? Were there any bad memories from the show? James Corden's like, way to make it negative. And then like, it got a really good answer. <laughs> yeah. About the monkey, how much they hated yeah. Marcel. <laughs> um, so like, I just feel like I, I, I'm not saying like, why wasn't the, the special more critical, but I am saying that there are ways to look back on friends that aren't just unbridled adulation. Yeah, I would say there are a couple of things at play there. Number one, the fact that it took so long to convince them to do it. Mm -hmm. So like these kinds of reunion specials start with the stars. And my wife and I were talking about this of like, it is kind of crazy. Like nowadays you talk about like TV shows that are popular now, but like and it's like, and to my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there's another example, but like the biggest thing you could talk about right now that would be similar to talking about Friends in like 1996 or 1997 is like The Mandalorian. But the star of The Mandalorian is Baby Yoda, like a puppet. But like back then, all of those actors were huge. Like everyone was crazy for them. Everyone was crazy about those characters. So I think it starts from the top down because those actors made, they and they, you know, Another thing they never talked about was the collective bargaining. Like they chose to bargain as a cast for their salaries. They wanted to all be paid the same. Whereas NBC wanted to only pay like David Schwimmer and, and yeah. Jennifer Aniston. And, his, and, and like Warren Littlefield in his book, Top of the Rock was like, I just would have killed one of them. Yes. I, killed <laughs> off. I just would have killed off one of them and been like any other, any questions. Yeah. So like that was groundbreaking in and of itself. By And by the time you get to the final season, I think they're each making a million dollars an episode. So like mm -hmm. just to make an episode of Friends, it costs $6 million before you do anything just to like have them show up. And yet up. it was, I mean, it was the biggest show. It was the biggest sitcom on television. You could yeah. afford it. So you're starting from there, from like these people are arguably in the most beloved sitcom of all time, or at least the beloved sitcom right now in the pop culture consciousness of the past 20 or 30 years. You have to lure them back. They have repeatedly said no. So they ended up paying them a ton of money to come back and they also got approval over footage. So I was reading an interview with the director of the reunion and he had to send in the footage after they shot it to get approvals from 
all six of them. Um, and he said, thankfully, they didn't ask him to cut anything. All of that to say, like, I think they probably personally were like, here are our parameters. Here is what we don't want to discuss. And here's what we will discuss. Um, so it starts from the top down. That being said, uh, I watched the, did you watch the Fresh Prince reunion special? I didn't. And that's not, nothing against Fresh Prince. It's just Fresh Prince was not like, Fresh Prince was like, oh, this is on this afternoon. Maybe I'll watch it. It wasn't like yeah. a, like a, it wasn't like a fundamental cornerstone show for me, like Friends is. Well, and I, it's, I had a similar relationship to it when I was curious about the reunion special because I had heard interesting things about it. So I watched it. It's on HBO Max. I highly re recommend checking it out because again, it's a top-down thing, but from there, it's not the cast, it's Will Smith. Whatever Will Smith says goes in terms of putting that reunion special together. There was controversy in that the original actress who played Aunt Vivian on that show was fired. Um, and for years, publicly was blaming Will Smith, was saying she was mistreated on set. It was a very ugly thing um, and a kind of a, a dark mark on the series. But, you know, the actress who came into play in Viv later, you know, was beloved and everything, but it's this controversial thing. And in the reunion special, it is not only addressed because the, the Fresh Prince reunion special is just those cast members on the set again, just talking. They address it. And then Will Smith says, I met with her and they start to roll footage. He had met with the actress who played the original Aunt Viv a couple of days earlier and they got together and they had this really kind of bare heart to heart that, you know, it wasn't ugly, but it wasn't like all is forgiven. It was like, here is what you said and why it hurt me. And they were both crying. Like it was very interesting and very refreshing to see that kind of candor. Um, that's just, you know, I would have loved to have seen that on Friends, but I feel like for the Friends special to do that, it would have been like 10 hours long because there are so many other controversies to discuss on that show. Um, number like one of which was the treatment of the writers on the series who like had to stay so late that like Friday's, you know, their Friday workday ended on Saturday at sunrise. Um, just really terribly long hours um, to make the show as good as it could be. But like, I don't know. There's a lot they could have gotten into, but I think you're right. When you look at the Friends reunion special, the purpose of it is to celebrate Friends and to say, do you want to watch Friends again? And I think with that much money on the line, they really probably didn't want to rock the boat that much. Like just getting those six people to show up was, uh, you know, a miracle in and of itself. And look, and, and on, on some level, I, I don't care about like, oh, why wasn't this more critical? Like, like I'm, I'm like, I, that, like, I'm with you in that, like when they started walking back on that set and like seeing them come together, I was like, this is mainlining nostalgia and I do not care. It's kind of how I felt about the West Wing reunion, which is, yeah. you know, which we, for that was them redoing an episode and, and doing it to raise awareness about voting and, and things like that. But I was like, this is pure nostalgia. I don't care. I am loving yeah. it right now. Like, I don't <laughs> yes. care. I know what you're doing and I don't care. Pick my pocket. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how some Friends fans probably feel about this reunion. And I think Friends is also a unique case in that it's got this like renewed fandom. Like mm. there are fans of the show now who were not alive when it was on the air. It has a surprising longevity to it in that like, you can point to other sitcoms that were the biggest sitcom of the time, but you probably, a reunion wouldn't do anything. Like, so for instance, like, like Cheers. Cheers was a massive hit. Yeah. Its finale was huge. It wore, it won like four Emmys for best sitcom. You know, it was, it was the powerhouse sitcom of the time, but it doesn't have the current cultural cash of friends. 
Yeah. You know, like it doesn't. And few shows do. I and mean, few I, shows I do. Like the else. only other one that I could think of, like who would do a reunion, like who could you do a reunion with right now and make it the same sort of cultural moment? It would probably be The Office. Yeah. In terms of being a multi generational streaming hit that everyone is just on board for, and and everyone being the fans. Um, ER you know. was the biggest drama series of the 90s. They had a reunion on YouTube a couple of weeks ago and George Clooney was there and it was kind of delightful, but like it wasn't, they didn't sell it to a streaming service. Like no one was like clamoring for like, let us host the ER reunion. You know? No, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like these things, these shows can be big in their time, but it's weird. It's, it, I, I think, and especially for friends to endure because yes, there is something universal in what, you know, the, the creators are like when your friends are your family, that age in yeah. your twenties where your friends are your family. I think that's true and that's universal and that's ongoing, but there are so many differences about how friends relate to each other now than mm -hmm. they did in like, I mean, this notion, I mean, the, the series is predicated on these six people meeting in a coffee shop all the time. <laughs> Like, like that's the, that is a foundation of the show. It has no real cell phones, certainly not smartphones, yeah. you know, nothing digital, nothing, you know, and look, other sitcoms, other friends based sitcoms have kind of picked up that baton, like new girl and uh, happy endings. Like they've, you know, carried that, like we're a dysfunctional group of friends theme forward, but it's different, you know? Yeah. I think, but I think that's part of its enduring appeal because it is, and for the, for the time, it was fairly groundbreaking. Most shows at the time, most sitcoms mm -hmm. at the time were family sitcoms or workplace sitcoms. Right. Um, and so to just be about like six single people for one of them to have just gotten divorced and his wife is a lesbian, again, like it is, you know, I think it is progressive in many ways. Um, it it has, is. The world has changed dramatically since then. Yeah. And, and the weird thing about Friends, and I think one of the reasons it is more of a comfort watch, is that it is oddly, as much as the characters fucking snipe at each other all the time. For, it's a weird to sh call the show Friends. <laughs> when, you, when you see how they treat each other, it's weird to call it Friends. But the fights are never super hardcore. The fights it's are always like, you have a duck, and I don't want a duck in my right. apartment. <laughs> Or you lock yourself in the in the in the media center and all our shit got stolen. You know, um, it's it's yeah. You're right because you didn't believe that I could. Fit in there. <laughs> but See, very... the jokes are good. This is what I'm saying. Is like the comedy is two decades old, and the jokes are really funny. the jokes are really good. And like, but there's a warmth there that to go to a contemporary show, a Seinfeld, which again is technically friends yeah. in New York, but Seinfeld is so mean yes. in comparison. <laughs> they're terrible friends, people. Well, they're, I mean, that's the finale. I mean, the finale of Seinfeld is basically scolding the audience being yes. like, why did you watch this? Why did you watch this for 10 years of these horrible people just being terrible to each other? It's, it's a comedy of manners, essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Seinfeld is that it's really more about social mores than it is about about the relationships. There's no really will they or won't they on Seinfeld. <laughs> no. It's it's about stealing a marble rye from an old woman and running away. Yes. Oh, and we got the Seinfeld reunion we deserved in in that that in season that season of Curb that was the exact perfect way to do it. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be sappy. It should be like they're all begrudgingly coming back and talking about how the finale sucked. 
Yes, it's basically, yeah, it should be, well, I mean, yeah, it should be very self-referential and aware like Seinfeld was when there was an entire season about let's make a show called Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Well, and in Friends, you know, I think it does have the will they, won't they? And it does endure because of that relationship because I think that, and I don't think that's the only relationship that people care about. I really like Monica and Chandler on that show. Um, But I know you're a huge huge, uh, Joey Rachel fan. So I'll, I'll let you. It's not that I'm even a huge. First off, <laughs> let's back up. I think Joey is the best character on the show because I think he's the most endearing. Yeah. But also, I think Ross and Rachel is not that great of a relationship in hindsight. I think it's, I understand why it compelled people. But when you watch it today, Ross is an abusive jerk and he doesn't deserve to be happy. He's <laughs> pretty much a sociopath. Terrible um, he's a terrible, possessive, jealous, weak, like he's bad. He's bad news. And Monica and Chandler are great at the beginning, but once they get married, like they seem to hate each other. Like there's very, like, like they really go at each other a lot. Like, like marriage, it's not for everyone. You know, like they don't <laughs> seem to like each other very much as what they do. With the, but anyway, but that's just how the show is built. The, build, the show is built on conflict creates comedy. So these people are friends, but also they're going to go after each other. Well, and I think it was, it probably should have ended after eight or nine seasons. I think it probably went a little bit too long because it you start to like, you're failing to find stories from Monica and Chandler. That well, and yeah, conflict. and that's why the 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 Joey is into Rachel things like feels like almost like a Hail Mary. Yeah, because, it's like we got to buy some time here. So, and I think to their credit, I think Matt, Le- well, to, to his credit, I think Matt LeBlanc really makes it work. I think he finds new layers of Joey that hadn't really been there before, yep. but the way that just the, that storyline just fizzles out at the end. Uh, also, can we say like Matt LeBlanc is like the star of the Friends reunion show? Cause he's absolutely. Like, so affable and wonderful. <laughs> he's affable and wonderful. And for me, it was really rewarding because I, again, I don't, I know we've talked, have, have you seen episodes yet? I haven't yet. No. So it's, episodes- my, it's higher up on my list now. <laughs> episodes is a show that uh, David Crane co-created uh, with Matt LeBlanc in mind. And um, the idea is that you have these two British creators who have this sort of British sitcom that they really like, uh, they, they are very proud of, and they're wooed to do, re, to do a remake on American television and it goes horribly for them. And they're forced to cast Matt LeBlanc in the lead. And it's brilliant because Matt LeBlanc is just skewering himself. And he's playing a character named Matt LeBlanc. Like he's playing a version of himself. And it's the most unflattering version of himself possible. And it's really fascinating to watch. Um, I highly recommend it. I'm excited to see it. But yeah, he was so sharp and unpointed. And, you know, it was nice to see everyone back. I think Phoebe is maybe my favorite character just because I think Lisa Kudrow is really crazy talented. Yes. So funny. But yeah, I mean, the Ross and Rachel thing, like it is compelling in and of itself. Again, I haven't seen the show in a few years and I'm probably, we're probably going to go back and rewatch it now because the 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 special did exactly what it, what it was meant to do. But the revelation that it sounds so sappy and silly and gossipy, but like the revelation that David Schwimmer and Jennifer Anson were in love with each other just kind of makes it all the more like your heart like hurts a little bit, like watching them like juxtapose that with, them doing the table read of the scene where they kiss and then showing the scene where they kiss. I thought was really sweet. And I don't want to know if it's manufactured. Don't want to know if it's fake. I want to believe that these two people were ships passing in the night and, and that fueled their, 
their relationship, which, you know, honestly, you look at so many other shows that that's sustained for 10 years. Like, you know, there yeah. were bumps in the road, but you still uh, by the finale, maybe not you, um, but you still wanted them to get together by the time you get to the finale. I didn't want them to get together. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I, not only did I not want them to get together, I think they got together and like, I understand like they had to get together. Like people would have been furious if they hadn't. Yeah. But like the way that it happens where it's like, hey, Rachel, you know how your dream job is in Paris? Well, guess what? You're going to give it up for this fucking guy. <laughs> I didn't sucks. take it as they as she gave it up, but like she we're, stayed we're, back. So they were going to they were going to work it out. They were going to work it out. But like she has a dream job in Paris that she can't do. Turns out Friends is a prequel to Emily in Paris. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the wonderful Netflix show. Um, yeah, I. uh yeah, I mean the special just a like there. I, I don't know. There were some weird moments in the special, man. Like I understand, like in terms of like nostalgia overload. Like, hey, let's get the barbershop quartet back. To yeah, do that, that was song. that was an odd choice. Let's get Mister Heckles back to show <laughs> was... up. And like you, look but at again, Mr. watching the watching the actors' faces the second time around, like it was, it felt nice for them. Like it mm. felt like they were very much delighted to be like reunited with these people that they right. you know had been a part of their i mean i think there were parts where it felt more authentic than others like like when they're like oh there's elliot gould and judy pickles like you know yeah. who Christina we did Bates, a lot yeah. of like we did a lot of episodes with them throughout the series as opposed yeah. to this one ancillary character who was like in three or four episodes and then like the sh- the net- like they killed him off because they didn't they essentially didn't need him anymore like mr heckles yeah felt like an insurance policy like we don't know if people will want to see these 20 somethings let's give them an ornery neighbor just in case we need yeah. to, to fall back on that and they didn't so they're like let's kill him yeah it felt <laughs> like a network note yeah um so but it's you know again like if the show made you want to rewatch friends go for it i just i think friends has an interesting legacy because it is it is a unique show it's been oft copied never really replicated and there's a lot to talk about it. And like the special had different goals. And I think that's interesting, but like, I think as friends fans, like it's interesting to engage with other things. Like I think, yeah, it's great when we can all be like, I all like the thing. And like, look, you, you've heard it on this episode, like Adam and I quoting friends to each other, you know, and we could do that all day, but I think there's other avenues that like are worth exploring on the show. The vibe I get is that there, you know, there's some dark stuff that they, probably just did not want to discuss and if you're doing 10 years of a show like that that gets that big you know there's going to be egos involved there are you know two or three showrunners there that you know are you know trying to make it the best it can be but all of that said like for me it's fun to watch Matt LeBlanc tell David Schwimmer how like funny he was in his leather pants like talking about like that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in is like you know if I had a chance to sit down for 15 minutes with one of these people I would want to know like how do they feel about the show today and that's kind of what those those glimpses those kind of more documentary type things got into if the whole hour and 44 minutes would have been that i probably would have been happier with it but as is it made me want to watch friends again <laughs> so it did its job yeah i i don't know if i'm how much i want to revisit friends because i based i rewatched it last year during the pandemic okay. i mean I say it's probably good, been a good six seven years for me oh really okay yeah it's a show that i would watch basically annually like i would yeah. stream it annually so i i, I move between parks 
and The Office and Friends. Yeah. Like those are the those are the rewatches. Well, so I friend- catch it on cable a lot, so I'll see bits, but like mm-hmm. genuinely and truly, like I again, I cannot stress how much I watched this show between the ages of like 13 and 23. Oh no, uh, it's crazy. No, I, mean, I can I can recall every single bit of it. Yeah. No, I mean, when they're talking about like, like on the reunions, like, hey, didn't we have this post removed? I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> yes, I recognize yeah, that beam. Like I had post that post, you had to have that post removed because yeah. it kept getting in the way. Um, you know, I, uh, gosh, I, yeah, it's a show that like I know backwards and forwards. It's just, it's also a show that I feel like its weaknesses start to, the, 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 the underlying mean, there's an underlying meanness of it that doesn't always get acknowledged. And that starts to creep, the way that kind of creeps in, kind of, it, it makes it, it kind of disrupts the, the feel goodness of it in a weird yeah. way. Like it, like in a way that, and maybe this will happen with The Office, but like The Office is like, because it knows Michael Scott is abysmal, like, like, like not like, so because The Office is designed to make you cringe, it can kind of get away with it. The friend, Friends is not really designed to make you cringe. Um, like even when like, you know, so like, when when ross you know gets his teeth white like it's funny like it's like it's uncomfortable for him but as an audience we're meant to laugh at it whereas when you know michael scott does an impression of daryl we are laughing at him but also uncomfortable (laughs) how about when he uh cooks his foot Yeah. Well, I like but, to wake up to the smell of bacon in the morning. But that being said, like, I mean, if we want to compare two shows, like, I do think even though Friends starts losing steam near the end, I think it makes it to the end yeah. because that core cast is intact. Can you imagine if, like, you lost one of those six people? Like, one of them are just like, yeah, I'm done. Then it's not Friends anymore. And the office is like, because they couldn't, because they didn't figure out to renew Steve Carell, you know, they, uh, they, they blew it. So, you know, you have those sort of weird seasons at the end where it's like, how do we make this show anymore? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think as a, you know, if you're a Friends fan, obviously you probably have already watched The Reunion, but it's interesting to look at it as a piece of essentially advertising, but also as like, what does it mean to, if you were a friend of, a fan of Friends? So, yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else to say? I just clapped. Just did the clap. <laughs> just do the clap. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I totally understand, you know, if people are like, this is too sappy, this is too much nostalgia. Totally understand the problems that Friends has. I mean, I've been watching 30 Rock recently. Even that show has some jokes that I'm like, oh, goodness, Ooh. yes. But that's how but comedy like, works. That's how comedy works. And that's how progress works. Like, honestly. Yeah. Can you imagine if we were like, man, everything that was funny in 1950 is still funny today. And yeah. sometimes that's true. Like Dick Van Dyke is very, the Dick Van Dyke show is very charming. Which I, although I guess that's nine, is that 1960s, 50s, 60s. Um, but more often than not, comedy changes, attitudes change. You know, what was okay, you know, 20 years ago is not okay in the present. And like, that's okay, it's progress, but you just kind of have to sort of accept you know, the, the passage of time, I suppose, which was another thing about this. The show made me a little melancholy just to be like, Oh, 20 years has passed. And then essentially almost 20 years since the finale. And it's just, it's, and it's not like anything against the, like, how dare these people age? It's just like, Oh, we are all headed for the group. 
time 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 marches, time on, marches on, unfor- on unforgivingly but i think um, it's more striking because you watch you've been watching the show over yeah and, over and, over and they're frozen in time years. yeah yeah all right well thank you all so much for listening to this bonus episode if you want to keep up with us on uh if you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. How did I mess that up? I said that at the end of every freaking episode. <laughs> if you want to keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam, where can we find you on Twitter? Adam Chitwood. And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back with you next week. Woo-hoo.